Right now, we're getting ready to go into a brand new message series. I'm going to say more about that in just a moment. We're starting today, and we're probably going to go the next four weeks. So I hope that you'll hang in here with us every week of this series. I think it's going to be extraordinarily helpful to you. So join us for this uh, entire series. There's some really important matters that we need to focus our attention on. But just before we dive into that, I want to take a moment just to, you know, sort of define reality. Aren't these really, really unique days that we live in? You're having those same kind of conversations. I am with people all of the time. Crazy times. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, I've never in my lifetime seen anything like that, nor have you. And uh, hopefully we're not going to experience something like this again. But it's unique times. Again, we know that God is with us. But just getting adjusted. Have, have you noticed, uh, a lot of you may be essential workers, and so you're going back and forth uh, to work. Have you noticed? less traffic than maybe you've ever seen in your life. I know uh, right here where we're at in Lakeland, Florida, you know, I was just commenting to different people leading up to this time that it was like more traffic in our city uh, than ever before, taking more time to get from, uh, you know, home to the church office, church office, home, just all the traffic. Well, that's not a problem right now. And social distancing in stores, I never had that experience, nor have you and just aisles and you walk this way and you stand back this far and and, uh, you know, working out at home, I love to go to the gym. A lot of you who know me, you know that I love going to the gym. And it's like, you know, the gyms are closed. And so working out at home every day in the living room. And, and I started when the gym's closed. I'm like, all right, I got to scramble. I got to do something. I don't want to be inactive. And so a lot of you have probably done P90X before. I've never done it. And oh boy, what a challenge, but uh, I'm enjoying But it's different, it's unique. I never knew that I would go through the drive through at Chick-fil-A. I mean, to not be able to go inside, you know, and, and get that Jesus chicken, and, and that feels unique. It's just strange times. And some of you have uh, seen some of the things. I'll share two or three that has been sent to me uh, recently. A lot of you have already heard these, but I couldn't help but chuckle, uh, you know, the uniqueness of the times that we're living in. And in fact, somebody sent me this, and a lot of you have seen it, but I'll just read it. I don't think anyone expected that when we changed the clocks, we'd go from standard time right into the twilight zone. I mean, it feels like that, doesn't it? Does it to you? How about this one? I saw this one. Perhaps you did as well. I hope the weather is good tomorrow for my trip to Porta Backyarda because I sure am getting tired of lost living room. Maybe you've heard that one. And then uh, a professor, great professor that I had as a college student uh, who is now retired, uh, sent this to me just a couple of days ago. And you may have seen this one as well. The world, it says, has flipped upside down. Old folks are sneaking out of the house and their kids are yelling at them to stay indoors. These are just very unique times. Well, right now, we're beginning week one. And again, I'm so glad you're here, so fired up about this message. We're beginning week one of a five-part message series, which we're calling Up. How do you stay up when things are down? How do you stay up when things are down? And our time together around this subject will help us during this present crisis, but I want to give you some good news. What we're going to talk about today and for the next four weeks is actually going to help you for the rest of your life. Now, how can we say that? How can this help us the rest of our our lives? And you see, I'll just put it this way. We may be dealing with the current reality of a pandemic of the coronavirus. But as you well know, 
You and I will always be faced with an epidemic of negativity. And let me say that again. What we're going to talk about today is going to help us uh, in this current. We want to stay up when things are down. So what we're going to talk about today is going to help us with this current pandemic of the coronavirus. But I can promise you, if you will put this into action in your life, it's going to help you for the rest of your life. Because long after this pandemic is over, we will still be dealing with an epidemic of negativity. You face that all of the time. I face it all of the time. And, uh, you know, for years to come, just think about it this way, friends. For years to come, you're going to be surrounded by people who are always critical. Do you know anybody like that? Absolutely you do. People that are always critical. You and I, for the rest of our lives, are going to be surrounded by people who are chronically complaining. Everything is a complaint. Everything is complaining. You and I know people, and it's going to be this way for the rest of our lives. We're going to interact with people who are always going to gravitate toward the wrong rather than toward the right. People who the glass it's not half full. The glass is always half empty. We, we know that. We're going to be faced with that for the rest of our lives. So what we're going to talk about today is going to help us today, but it's really going to help us for the rest of our life because we are always going to be faced with this. People who their default switch is being unthankful rather than grateful. People who are always seemingly negative instead of being optimistic. People who'd rather be apathetic than enthusiastic. People, it's just like second nature for them. They would rather choose the route of being gloomy instead of encouraging encouraging and people who they're like, you know, everything is pessimistic rather than acting with confidence. So what we're going to talk about today, I think, as I just mentioned, is going to help you and is going to help me for the rest of our lives. I want to let you in on a little secret. Are you ready for this? I want to let you in on it. Here it is. A little secret. You're either in your life going to get sucked into what I was just talking about, the negativity uh, the pessimism, the, the complaints, the criticism. You're either going to get sucked into that and you're going to become infected by that. That can happen. It can happen to you. It can happen to me. Or what would be so much better is if we would allow the Word of God to inject something completely different into our lives that causes us to stay up when things are down. I need that. I need that in my life. And I think you do. Do you need that as well? I believe you do. And that's why we need to talk about it. Uh, and we're going to begin uh, week one. We've got four more to come. Again, be back every week. But today as we're talking about up. How do we stay up when things are down? Today I want to talk to you about becoming grateful. Becoming grateful. Kerry Shook, in a book that he has written, he and his wife actually teamed up, wrote this book together. This is the statement that they made. Listen to it carefully. They write, the opposite of a heart of gratitude, the opposite of a heart of gratitude is a heart of dissatisfaction and grumbling and complaints and negativity. And we know that that is absolutely true. So to get us rolling today, 
I, I want to show you a story right out of the time in Jesus' life. Jesus is very much involved in this situation. This comes out of Luke's gospel. We're going to go to chapter 17, and I want you to look at these verses with me. This is Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 13. Here's the story, and I want you to check it out. you got to see this. This is going to set the tone for everything we're going to talk about in the next few moments. Are you ready? Follow along with me. Now on his way, this is Jesus, now on Jesus' way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, look at these two words. See these highlighted words? How many men? Just go ahead and say it out loud. How many? How many? Ten men. Ten men who had leprosy. We'll come back to that. Ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance. We'll come back to that. And called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. That sets the stage for what we're going to talk about right now. You know, until I went back in preparation for our time together today, until I went back, I never really considered something. I've read this passage many times, as perhaps you have. But I've never really thought about how that social distancing was around long before what you and I are faced with right now. Lepers in Jesus' day and time since have had to practice out of necessity. Actually, it's broader than that, out of mandate, have had to practice social distancing long before the spread of the coronavirus. It was actually something that any leper would have to deal with. And Jesus, as we know from the Scriptures, would come in contact with lepers, and they had to stand apart from everybody else. In fact, a leper uh, in Jesus' day, they would actually have to tear their clothing. They would have to tear their clothing in order that it would be a visible picture to other people that they were diseased so that people would not approach them. Lepers in Jesus' day not only had to tear their clothing, but they would have to cover up their mouth when anybody was in close proximity to them. And you're like, Jeff, why would they have to do it? And it was just understood in order to mitigate the possibility of infecting others. If they were going to call out, even from a distance, a leper would, would cover their mouth. A leper in Jesus' day had no human contact whatsoever. And I just thought about that, and it saddened me to think that these were real people who had a real disease, and they couldn't be around their family. Could you imagine a mom or a dad, or both, uh, having contracted leprosy, how that they could never be around their family again? They'd never get a hug. They'd never hold hands. They'd never get a handshake, a pat on the back. They would just be completely ostracized from communities. In fact, lepers were the rejects and the outcasts of communities. So needless to say... When these, remember how many, how many, 10 lepers approached Jesus that day, that they were utterly desperate. They were tired of their condition. They were tired of what they had been faced with. They had been dealing with this who knows how long, but they were ready to be completely done with what they had faced with their life. And so when they approached Jesus, they approached him out of great desperation. So let's go back to Luke chapter 17 and let's pick up at verse 14. I want you to see this. It says, when he saw them, Jesus, this is Jesus, go show yourselves to the priests. And that had to do with uh, ceremonial cleansing and being, you know, announced by the priest that that had actually occurred. We don't have time to get into that. But look at this next part. And as they went, these 10 lepers went in that direction, it says they were cleansed. Now, a few moments ago, we saw that there were 10 of them who had leprosy, who had approached Jesus out of desperate, uh, desperation. But look at this, one of them, how many? Not 10, 
one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, expressed gratitude to Jesus for what had occurred in his life. And he was a Samaritan. Look at this next part right here. Jesus asked, very important question, were not all ten cleansed? And the obvious answer to that was, yes, all ten, not just this one. All ten were cleansed, and Jesus then asked this follow-up question, where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner, except this one person, this one Samaritan, actually? So what I want to do in the next few moments, and I'm so excited about getting into this with you, and maybe you've got something right there that you can take some notes, you can write some things down, you can put it, uh, you know, on your notepad, or you can get your phone, your tablet if you've got that handy. What I want to do in the next few moments is I want to give you uh, three principles in regards to becoming grateful. Three principles in regards to becoming grateful. Let me go ahead and give you the first one right here. Three principles. Number one, realize that everything good in your life is a gift from God. Realize, you ready? Realize that everything good in your life and my life is a gift from God. I want us to look at another verse. This is two out of the New Testament. And I want you to read this one with me. Read it out loud. You're like, but I don't want to really read it out. Go, come on now. Work with me. Go ahead and read it out loud. Read it with me. You ready? Here we go. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from who? From who? From God our Father. Because every good and perfect gift comes down to us from God our Father. You know, in talking about being grateful, I've got so many things in my life to be grateful for. I, I know that you do as well. I have, I have some of the best uncles in the entire world. I've got, I've got fabulous uncles, uncles that are, that are loving and that are compassionate and that are fun. And uh, I can just think back, you know, I can remember even as a kid just hanging out with my uncles, and I'm grateful for them uh, still to this day. And I can remember just when I was very small, I can remember one time in particular when we were doing a backyard football game. All my uncles were there. A lot of us uh, kids were there. We were allowed to participate in the football game. And I can remember this uncle that I'm about to mention by name in just a moment. He was the quarterback on my particular team. And we're in the backyard and I can remember we were in the huddle and we were sort of squatted down and he had his back to the chain link fence there. And, and so he was calling the plays, letting us know what routes he wanted us to run. And all of a sudden, my uncle had the strangest look on his face and none of us realized at the time, but he turned around and the next door neighbor's Irish setter uh, decided to get in on the action. Let's just say it that way. And I, I guess this is the most uh, clean way to say it. The, uh, the dog was responsible for a very warm li liquid going down my uncle's back. Well, that had uh, changed the game, and, and he just had this look like, I can't believe what just happened. We all got to laugh, and, and we've laughed together, you know, a lot of different things. A couple of years ago, we were together at a family reunion, and a lot of us, my uncles were there. We got out, and we played golf, and, and it was a wonderful time. I'm grateful for so many family members, but I have these terrific uncles, and several of them are actually watching this service right now. And, uh, you know, uh, the one that I want to mention, and I have a story for every single one of them, but the one that I want to mention specifically right now is uh, Uncle Bill Ivey. And Uncle Bill Ivey, he's just an incredible guy. 
He, he never complains. I don't ever remember hearing him my whole life complain about anything. He's always smiling. He's always positive. He's always grateful. And, and some of you may be, yeah, Jeff, probably he's like that because everything uh, is great in his life. He's just everything probably lines up. But, but you know, in the recent years, uh, our Uncle Bill Ivey, has been faced with the challenge of having to go. Think about this. Some of you are familiar with it because it may be your life or friend or family member's life. But three times a week, three times a week, he has to go for a kidney dialysis. And he's there. I asked my aunt, I said, well, generally how long uh, does Uncle Bill have to be there? And she's like, when he goes, each time, he's there five and a half hours. Three days a week, five and a half hours. I can remember this golf trip that we were on, family reunion, when uh, he was having to look for a place, line up a place. And, and you would just think that over time that that would just cause him to become maybe bitter or like life is not fair and I'm not going to be grateful. But, you know, from every perspective that I've had of his life, you know, he still is the same Uncle Bill Ivy, always smiling. You ask him how he's doing, great, great, great. He may not be feeling that on the inside, but you would never know it because he's just a positive guy, smiling. He's got a heart of gratitude. Now, do you realize that in your life, every good thing going on in and around your life is an astonishing gift from God? I mean, are you grateful? If we're not, we need to become more grateful. Are you grateful for, just take your family. Are you grateful for your family? Do you consider your family as a gift from God to you? Are you grateful for your marriage, for your kids? Are you grateful if you have good health, that you have good health? If you have high energy, are you grateful that you have energy? Are you grateful for your job, for your career, for your business? Are you grateful for your friends? If you're in a small group, and I hope you are, are you grateful for your small group? Are you grateful for your church, the church that you're connected to? What about the talents and the abilities that God has entrusted to you? Are you grateful for those? Are you grateful that God has given you a mind that you can think clearly? Are you grateful that you have God's peace? And the Bible says that God grants us a peace that passes all understanding. Are you grateful for joy? Because every good and perfect gift comes down to us from God our Father. And can I just mentioned, these are gifts that we don't deserve. You don't deserve them. I'm not good enough to have all these great gifts that God has poured into my life. You don't deserve them. We can't work for them. We can't earn them. We can't be good enough. They are just generous gifts from God, unwarranted, not because we've done amazing things, but God blesses our lives. Every good and perfect gift comes down from God our Father. And you know what, friends? This has happened throughout history. Throughout history, this has occurred. And go back all the way back into the early account of the Old Testament, and you have Noah, and God would bless Noah with an ark. A kid was one time asked, you know the name of Noah's wife? And their response was, yeah, Joan of Ark. Well, that's, that's not entirely correct. But Noah was blessed. God blessed him with an ark. Why? In order that he might protect his family. God has been providing good gifts throughout history. God said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bless Abraham and cause him to become a patriarchal father of a great nation. In fact, when God was describing the nation of Israel, he said it's going to be like the sand on the seashore, like Abraham, look in any direction that you want to look, and I'm going to bless your descendants. I'm going to bless you. You're going to become the father of a great nation. And God would come along to a guy who had been sold into slavery and to Joseph. He would move out of his slavery into prominence and promotion in Egypt. 
while the Israelites were in their wilderness wanderings and how they were going from the land of captivity and slavery into the land of promise, how that God in the middle of the desert would provide them with water from a rock and he would provide them with manna from heaven. I want to show you a couple of verses. This goes back to Exodus. And uh, these two verses always crack me up, by the way. And I want, I want you to see them with me. This is God providing them with manna. And they're like, we don't even know what manna is because they had never had manna. But they had been grumbling and complaining. They, they weren't grateful. And God said, I'm going to provide you. And it says this. Look at this. When the dew was gone, when the dew was gone in the early morning, <laughs> I love this phrase, thin flakes like frost. Thin flakes. Seems like we've heard that before. Thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, I love this response, what is it? What is this? They had never seen manna before. What is it? And it, it's thin flakes like frost. And some of you think, in fact, the guys have a picture. Some of you think that this came around later in life. No, no. Oh, no. Uh, Moses and those in Egypt who had left Egypt, apparently they had frosted well, no, I made that up. I'm sorry. I apologize. Flates, God was providing. God throughout history has provided for his people. So firstly, every good thing in your life, every good thing in my life is a gift from God. Secondly, I want you to be sure you get this. Be grateful for what you already have. Be grateful for what you already have rather than craving for something you don't have. I, I want to read another verse. Look at this verse with me. This is Ecclesiastes chapter 6 and verse 9. Enjoy what you have. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Enjoy what you already have. Do you know that if our thinking is always engaged in what we want or what we don't have, it's going to be very difficult to appreciate the things that God has already blessed our lives with. Please don't miss this. I want you to just, if you've drifted for a moment and you've reached over, walked away for a moment, I want you to come back and I want you to hear this. You've got to hear this. If you and I are becoming grateful, then what we already have is enough. Let me just say that again. If you and I are grateful, because that's what we're talking about, if we're going to stay up when things are down and we're being more grateful, if you're a grateful person, then what you already have right now is enough. It is already sufficient. God has already blessed you with it. Otherwise, if we don't approach it that way, then you and I, um, we just don't enjoy, we just don't appreciate what we have right now. We don't appreciate the house because it's like, I can't appreciate this house because I want to be in this other house. I want to be in a bigger, better house. Or I can't appreciate my clothes because I, I want to have other clothes or, or shoes. I, I, I need our food. You could just go right down the line. Vacation, I'm thankful for a vacation, but I can't really be grateful because I'd really like to go on a more exotic vacation or, or I'd like to have a better phone. You know, I'm not grateful for this phone because it's not the latest and the greatest phone. It won't do some of the things that other phones do are, or I, you know, I'm finding it hard to be grateful for this car because, you know, it's not the car. I'd really rather have a, another car. And so I can't appreciate what I already have because I'm always longing for something else. Now, some of you that know me well, you know that generally speaking, I'm not recommending this for you, but generally speaking, I drive a car into the ground 
before I get another one. Just do it. Always seemingly have done it. I can remember, uh, some of you may remember this vehicle. I drove it for the longest time. It was a Chevy Tahoe, a blue Chevy Tahoe. I drove it 274,000 miles. Drove it in the ground. Finally, the mechanic said, hey, you're going to end up putting more money in this thing than what the car is worth. So I can remember going to trade it in, and I'm, I kid you not, I went to trade it in. The person who was helping me to find another car came out and said, uh, you know, I said, this trade in, not much to it. You know, I was afraid they were going to you know, charge me to take my trade in instead of giving me a credit. And uh, he said, do you mind if I drive it, just ride along? And I said, sure. And I literally had to get in the back seat because the passenger door on the front, it would not open. How embarrassing was that? I can remember a vehicle I had a long time ago. It was, you remember this vehicle? It was a Crown Victoria, a used Crown Victoria. And, and it seems like, looking back, that it was about the length of a small military ship. And I can remember, you know, getting some trash of some sort in the gas line, driving around that thing, sputtering. And, and my kids were like, Dad, we don't want to ride and eventually clear it up. But, you know, if you and I are always longing for what we don't have, we're never going to appreciate what we do have. Now, I want to just read something to you real quickly. Uh, it comes out of a book I read some time ago. And listen to this. It's, and this is not from the Bible. This is just talking about a, a medical research. And I'll just read this one brief paragraph. Modern medical research reveals that when you consistently focus on your blessings and what you're grateful for each day, it has positive effects on your physical and mental health. For example, psychologist, and I want you to hear this, Martin Seligman from the University of Pennsylvania found that when people, this is the part I want you to hear, that when people wrote down three things they were grateful for each day, three things each day, within three weeks, it significantly increased their level of happiness and joy. Uh, would you just consider that in your own life for a moment? Do you believe do you believe that you would become a more grateful person if you're just saying, I'm going to do that. For the next 21 days, I'm going to write down three things that I am grateful for. Do you think that would cause you to become a more grateful person? Absolutely it would. I want you to really grab a hold of this next statement. It is so important. It is so important. It's not happy people that are grateful. It's grateful people that have become happy. Can I say that again? Did you get that? It is not happy people, and that's why they're grateful. It's that grateful people are becoming more and more happy and joyful. I want you to look at a couple of verses. This is Paul's words in Philippians. This is Paul, his own experience of just being grateful for where he was at, what was going on. He said, I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to, to have plenty. He knew both perspectives. He said, look at this, I've learned, look at this phrase, learn the secret of being content. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And I love this phrase. You need to mark it down. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And Paul said, I've learned the secret of being content. No matter what I have, it is enough. Paul wouldn't be like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm happy I, and I'm grateful, and I'm, my gratefulness is born out of, you know, what I have. No, that's not. It was because he was grateful that you and I can become more and more happy. So, number one, every good thing in your life is a gift from God. Uh, secondly, be grateful for what you already have rather than craving something that you don't have. And we'll cover this last one quickly. Thirdly, finally, it's not that it's unimportant, but we're going to run out of time. Number three, I'm going to turn my blessings into praise. 
I am going to turn my blessings into praise. Look at these two verses. Psalm 63, I will praise you as long as I live. The psalmist said it, God, as long as I live, I will praise you. I'm going to lift up my hands to you in prayer. God, you satisfy me. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. You satisfy me more, more so than anything I could ever have or possess. I will praise you with songs of joy. Please listen, friends. I do not want you I do not want you to be contaminated with negativity. I don't want you to be contaminated with being ungrateful. I don't want that for your life. I don't want it for my life. Instead, why don't we just say every day, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to take my blessings and I'm going to turn them into praise. I'm going to praise my great, powerful, loving, generous, compassion, heavenly Father. I'm going to praise Him because he's worthy of praise and because every blessing I have has come as a gift from God. Let's you and I become grateful. Let's be filled with praise for our job. And you may be like, but it's not the job that I really want to have, but be grateful for it. That may help you get to the place where you can have a, be grateful for the house that you have right now. Don't just spend your time longing for something that you don't yet have. Be grateful for what you have now. Be grateful for that car. Even if you're like me and you drive them into the ground, be grateful for it, for your house, for air conditioning. Are you grateful for air conditioning? What about for warm running weather, uh, running water? What about clothes and food and, and family? And, and I'm grateful if you can relate to this. If you have grandkids, you're grateful for your grandkids. I'll just wrap up with this story. Um, we have three grandkids, Kinley, Landry, Brody. Those of you that know me know that I've talked about them quite often. A couple of years ago, Brody was born, and everything at his birth initially was great. Everything was wonderful. Everything was going really, really positive. And uh, for the first six hours of his life, completely healthy. And then there became, and there's a lot more details. I'll give you the quick version, and... and uh, his little lungs started bleeding. Uh, he, he had hemorrhaging in his lungs. He was taken from the hospital where he was born and had to be rushed to a children's hospital. And there he was in uh, NICU for, for about 10 days on a, on a ventilator, really touch and go. And the guys have a picture, and you can see this is that little guy just a few days after he was born. And we're like praying like all kind of prayers, like God, heal him, touch him. God spares little life. And you know what? It, it was so challenging to our faith. I can't remember one time in particular. I had a couple of my friends with me, and I was trying to tell them, trying to give them an update. My voice just cracked, and I couldn't help it. I just started crying right there on the spot. And they were praying with me. We were all praying. And, and uh, you know, end result, more details I could tell you. But God touched that little guy. And, uh, you know, He's perfect. Everything about him. In fact, this is him now. This is him. That looks like a healthy little guy, doesn't it? And you know what we did? And what we want to do is what I want you to do. Take your blessings, and I want you to turn them into praise. How do you stay up when things are down? You become a grateful person. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. We know that. Would you bow your heads right where you're at and close your eyes? And I want to pray with you right where you're at. 
And maybe you're just saying, you know, Pastor Jeff, I need to become more grateful. I want to be grateful. I want to realize that everything good in my life is a gift from God. I want to realize that everything good in my life is a gift from God. I want to be grateful for what I already have rather than just longing and desiring those things. I want to be able to appreciate what I have right now. (laughs) I want to take every blessing in my life and I want to turn it back to praise to God. And I pray that that would happen right now for every person that is listening. God, right now, I pray for those who are not yet Christians. I pray that they would become grateful, that they would become grateful for your love, that they would become grateful, Jesus, for the sacrifice that you made for them upon the cross, that they would become grateful for your offer of forgiveness, that they would become grateful for a place called heaven, and that there is an open invitation to them right here, right now. If you're not a Christian and you want to pray this prayer, I hope you will. Just say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I know I'm a sinner. I need to be saved from my sin. I thank you that you went to the cross for me and gave your life so that I would have life and have it more abundantly. I know that there is a place called heaven, and I don't know all that it's going to be like, but I know I want to be there. And Jesus, thank you for your invitation that's open to me. I receive you into my life. Lord Jesus, right now. And everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. I look forward to meeting you again for part two of our series next week. God bless you, everybody. We love you.